Welcome to the Rolling Hills Sermon Podcast. The Rolling Hills Sermon Podcast aims to bring the sermon from our Sunday morning service to you each and every week. We're currently in our sermon series, Next. The best is yet to come. For the past 20 years of Rolling Hills, we have seen God do more than we could ever imagine. Countless lives have been impacted for eternity. Many have professed their faith through baptism. Adults and children have grown in their faith through discipleship. Campuses have been launched in communities all throughout Middle Tennessee. And the vulnerable and the least have been served throughout the world. God has shown up time and time again, and now we faithfully look ahead to what is next for His church, knowing that it's not about us and our future, but about God and His perfect plan. Our prayer is that this will be a season that we look back on and see as one where God grew and stretched His people in ways He never has before. We're believing we will see restored relationships, miracles happen right before our eyes, radical salvations, and prodigals returning home. We believe for all of this and more. In this series, we're walking through the book of Nehemiah and how God's call on His people in that day is one He still has for us in 2023. May He find us faithful as we step forward, trusting that the best truly is yet to come. So listen in as we jump into what the Lord has for us today. For the past 20 years, we've had a front row seat to God doing more than we could ever imagine. Lives impacted for all eternity. Public professions of faith through baptism. Kids and adults discipled in the ways of Jesus. Campuses expanded to reach the multitudes, serving the least, the last, and the lost. And now our sights are set on something bigger and bolder, something immeasurably more. Let us join God in what He is doing next. Oh, well, good morning. Good morning, Rolling Hills Church family. It's so great to be together today. Welcome right here at our Franklin campus. Welcome online campus. What a joy to worship our great God together. And welcome back to our series. We're in this great series called Next. And we've been in this series walking with this guy, Nehemiah. And Nehemiah lived back in the Old Testament times. And, and Nehemiah said, I'm going to take a next step for the glory of God. I'm going to step out. And that's what we've been challenging one another, right? Whether it's a big step or a small step. And how can we grow deeper in our walk with the Lord? How can we grow stronger? And Nehemiah, man, he was like living the dream, right? He was kind of the prime minister in the Persian empire. And then he hears from his brothers that that the walls of Jerusalem were broken down, and God broke his heart. And Nehemiah said, I've got to do something about it. So Nehemiah, we saw he prayed, and then he planned. He said, okay, here's what I'm going to do. And he went and talked to the king, Artaxerxes, and the king gave him his blessing to go back. And he went back, and we saw last week in chapter 3 that he rallied the people, and everybody started to rebuild the walls. I mean, Jerusalem was in disgrace. It was broken down, right? And together, they started making this difference. But then they started working. We're going to come today to chapter 4, and then the opposition comes, right? Then there's opposition. Everything was going great, you know, in chapters 1, 2, and 3, and then we see opposition. And it's the same thing in life for all of us, right? Whenever we're living our lives, then all of a sudden, there's this opposition. 
And maybe you had this great plan for your life. Maybe you had this great plan this morning, right? You know, get up and we're gonna be so excited. It's gonna be great at church. And then the bed monster's just kind of holding you back. You know, you're like, oh, but it's raining outside. You know, it's like all this, you know, or then you start to can't find the kid's shoes. Where are the kids? Where are we? We're late. Let's go. Let's go. And then all of a sudden, it's like the enemy comes in, you know, and starts putting these thoughts in your mind and your heart, you know, and then you're like, that's football, you know, and all these things are right there and it's opposition. And you have this plan, you know, to have a great marriage and, and things are great on your honeymoon and it's awesome. And then you get back and then you find yourself living together and you're like, whoa, wait, you take out the trash. No, you take out the trash. No, you know, whoa, all of a sudden this opposition comes in or, well, I want to raise this great family and have these great kids. And, and, and things are good, and then they get three, right? And it's like, you know, wow, you know, wait, wait a minute, you're not supposed to talk back, you know? And it's all these things in our lives, and this opposition comes. And even for church, right? You're doing this great work, and I want to serve, and I want to be involved, and all this. And then you see the opposition. You know, it was Mike Tyson who said, the famous heavyweight boxer, and he said this everybody has a plan until they get punched in the mouth. <laughs> And it's like, right, you know, everybody's got this plan, how it's going to go, and things are going to work out. And then all of a sudden, life comes along and punches you in the mouth. And you're like, whoa, where did that come from? I didn't see that coming, right? I thought everything was going to be perfect and fine and all this. And then next thing you know, there's challenges. Next thing you know, there's struggles. Next thing you know, there's opposition. Well, how do you handle that? How do you handle that? And that's what we're going to talk about today. We're going to see how Nehemiah did, and I pray God will speak to every one of us. I'm so glad that we can gather today. So if you have a Bible with you today, I invite you up with me in the book of Nehemiah. Nehemiah chapter 4. Nehemiah chapter 4. So Old Testament, kind of go back there, Ezra, Nehemiah, Esther, Job, you're right there, kind of the middle of the Old Testament there. And you're seeing this guy, he lived 2,400 years ago. And we saw in Nehemiah 1, he was the cupbearer to the king, this prime minister, this great job. He was in the palace in Susa. And he could have kicked back. He could have said, why do I care what's happening 800 miles away, right? I've got a cush job, a sweet deal. But God said, no, you get involved. You make a difference. You go and be a part of rebuilding. The walls had set broken down for 70 years. Nobody did anything about it. And then Nehemiah comes along and rallies everybody and they go, yes, let's do a great work for the glory of God. And if you missed last week, man, go back and listen. Because what we talked about is it takes 100%. Right, 100% participation, everybody being in it, everybody serving together, everybody making a difference. And for Jerusalem to the Jews, man, it's like the church is to Christians. And for us to build God's church in our day and our time. So look at chapter four, what happens? It says, when Samballot heard that we were rebuilding the wall, he became angry and was greatly incensed. He ridiculed the Jews and in the presence of his associates in the army of Samaria, he said, what are those feeble Jews doing? Will they restore their wall? Will they offer sacrifices? Will they finish in a day? No, come on. Can they bring the stones back to life from those heats of rubble, <laughs> burned as they are? So here's Samballot. He's up in Samaria. Now, the Samaritans hated the Jews, right? And Samballot's like, whoa, what's going on down there in Jerusalem? We kind of liked it being broken down. We liked it being in disgrace. You know, he was benefiting probably economically because they couldn't fight back or have walls or anything. He was benefiting, right, being over here in control. And so he starts mocking them. What do those guys think they're doing? Come on. Well, Tobiah, the Ammonite, who was at his side, said, what are they even building? Even a fox climbing up on it would break down their wall of stones. 
So Tobiah the Ammonite comes in and is like, come on, what are you guys doing? And this psychological warfare, right, starts. Taunting, ridicule. Maybe you've been there. People kind of come along, they question your character, like, oh, come on, what do you think you're doing? You're trying to live for the Lord, really? You remember what you did? Remember your past? I mean, come on, really? You think you make a difference? Or they come along and they say something about your work. Really? That's, that, you think that's good? That's it? You know, and you go, oh, man, you just kind of get down, right? You, you turn in on yourself, but not Nehemiah. Look what he says in verse four. Hear, O God. He begins to pray. Hear, O God, for we are despised. Turn their insults back on their own heads. Give them over as plunder in a land of captivity. Do not cover up their guilt or blot out their sins from your sight, for they have thrown insults in the face of the builders. So he prays, and then look at verse six. So we rebuilt the wall. They didn't stop. Even though they have this opposition, even though there's persecution, right? So we rebuilt the wall till all of it reached half its height, for the people worked with all their heart. They worked with all their heart. They were committed. They were into it. They were passionate about it. But the opposition didn't stop. When Samballat, Tobiah, the Arabs, the Ammonites, and the people of Ashdod heard that the repairs to Jerusalem's walls had gone ahead and that the gaps were being closed, they were very angry. Gosh, how relevant is this today? Right? I mean, here we are, 2,400 years earlier. I mean, it's still happening today. Samaria in the north, the Ammonites over in the east. You've got the west, Ashdod, which is the Philistines, that whole area. Everybody coming against Jerusalem. Everybody coming against the Jews. And they all plotted together to come and fight against Jerusalem and stir up trouble against it. Look at verse 9. But we prayed to our God and posted a guard day and night to meet this threat. Meanwhile, the people in Judah said, the strength of the laborers is giving out. There is so much rubble that we cannot rebuild the wall. Also, our enemies said, before they know it or see us, we will be right there among them and will kill them and put an end to the work. Whoa, different level right there, right? Right before they know it, we're gonna sneak in and we're gonna kill them and put an end to the work. Then the Jews who lived near them came and told us 10 times over. Persecution didn't stop. The opposition didn't stop. The struggles didn't stop. 10 times over. Wherever you turn, they will attack us. Therefore, I stationed some of the people behind the lowest points of the wall at the exposed places, posting them by families. That was so smart, Nehemiah, right? We're gonna fight with families. We're gonna be together. We're all in this with their swords, their spears, and bows. After I looked things over, I stood up and I said to the nobles, the officials, and the rest of the people, do not be afraid of them. He stood up, he looked it over, do not be afraid of them. Remember the Lord, who is great and awesome, and fight for your families, your sons, your daughters, your wives, and your homes. When our enemies heard that we were aware of the plot and that God had frustrated it, isn't that awesome? The enemies saw that God was with them and that God had frustrated it. We all returned to the wall, each to his own work. From that day on, half, half of my men did the work while the other half were equipped with spears and shields, bows and armor. The officers posted themselves behind the people of Judah who were building the wall. Those who carried the materials did their work with one hand and held a weapon in the other. 
They got a sword in one hand and a shovel in the other, right? We're going to work, but we're also ready to fight if we have to. And each of the builders wore his sword at his side as he worked. But the man who sounded the trumpet stayed with me. Then I said to the nobles, the officials, and the rest of the people, the work is extensive and spread out, and we are widely separated from each other along the wall. Whenever you hear the sound of the trumpet, join us there. And then look at this part. Our God will fight for us. I don't know if you underline your Bible, but man, underline that right there. I underline that, highlight it, hold it, whatever you do. Just put it away in your mind and your heart. So we continued the work with half the men holding spears from the first light of dawn until the stars came out. At that time, I also said to the people, have every man and his helpers stay inside Jerusalem at night so that they can serve as our guards by night and the workers by day. And then look at verse 23. Neither I, nor my brothers, nor my men, nor the guards with me took off our clothes. Each had his weapon, even when he went for water. Wow. These guys are like, man, we're not even, you know, taking off our clothes. We're in it. We're committed. We're dedicated. We're not going to stop. Let the opposition come, but we're going to stay strong and stand strong for the glory of our God. Wow. Guys, there's an incredible lesson here for all of us. And so I'd love for you to give, if you have a worship guide, to take that out. If you're online, you want to pull out the Rolling Hills app, there's a place to take some notes today. But don't miss this today. This is so important for all of us. Look at this one, first one. When you're doing God's work, you will face opposition. When you are doing God's work, you will face opposition. Look, when Samballot heard that we were rebuilding the wall, he became angry, right? Angry at the work of God and was greatly incensed. He ridiculed the Jews. See, Nehemiah faced opposition and so will we. You know, a lot of times we think when we accept Christ, right, it's all going to be rainbows and unicorns and cupcakes and flowers, you know, right? We, we have this time and it is, man. When you accept Christ and you're baptized, it is awesome. I mean, awesome, right? You come up out of that water and then you just got this smile. You're just so happy because you're like, God's forgiven my sins. I didn't do anything. I didn't deserve it. God forgave me. Jesus died for me. I mean, there is this unbelievable joy, this peace, this purpose in your life. But at that moment too, you enter into the battle. At that moment too, right, you begin to understand that there's opposition out there. See, here's the thing. You could be in the center of God's will and still go through struggles. Don't miss that today. Because sometimes we go through a struggle and we think, well, God's abandoned me. God's left me, you know. I mean, what happened? I messed up. I sinned. God's mad at me. No, 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 no. We live in a broken world. We live in a fallen world. When God created this world, it was perfect. I mean, perfect, right? And then what happened? Man sinned. And so now all of a sudden you got sin, you got death, you got decay. Now one day it'll all be made right. One day in heaven, there's no more pain, there's no more suffering, there's no more death. But until that day, we live in a broken world. We live in a place where there's evil. We live in a place where hurt people hurt people. And it's hard. And it's challenging, and the struggles are real. But we're not immune, right? And we're not unique. People who've gone on before us have faced that opposition. You know, I think about Job. Job, here's this guy. It says he was blameless in the sight of God. Job was blameless. I mean, he was in the center of God's will. He's doing everything right. 
You know, he would even offer sacrifices for his kids going, well, my kids may have messed up and they may have done something wrong, so I'm gonna offer sacrifices for them. I mean, you know, like, this guy was generous and kind and amazing. And then one day, Satan goes to God and goes, well, you know why Job's like that? Because look, at you've blessed him. I mean, he's got all this money, success, and all these things. I mean, well, why not? I mean, the only reason he worships you is because of all the things you've done for him. And God's like, no, he loves me for me. <laughs> Satan's like, no, he doesn't. And then all these things were taken away from Job. I mean, like literally raiders come in and they steal his livestock and, and the house blows down where his kids are, like all of his kids, I mean, like die. I mean, like it was just like everything. And even his wife comes to him and says, Job, why don't you just curse God and die? Thanks, honey. You know, like, uh, but Job goes, you know what? The Lord gives and the Lord takes away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. That's deep faith, <laughs> So much so that he stayed faithful to God the rest of his life. And the rest of his life is actually the best part of his life. If you read on in Job, I mean, you see God just do incredible things, but he stayed true in the middle of it. Jesus said this. He told his disciples in John 16, he says, in this world, you will have trouble. Not you might, not you could. No, no, you will have trouble. But take heart, exclamation point. I've overcome the world. Don't forget that our God is greater See, use times of opposition to grow in your faith. Use times of opposition to grow in your faith. You know, we understand that physically, right? We understand when you, when you work out, you get stronger, right? You don't just go to the gym and, and lay on the bench press and just do the bar, right? And do it 30 times and leave and go, okay, well, I got stronger today. No, you start adding weight, right? That's what those things are there for, right? You start adding the 25s and the 45s. Why? Because you get stronger. But the same thing is true spiritually, the same thing is true. When you go through those harder times and those challenging times, then you're getting stronger. You're knowing that God is with you, that God is for you. That's how James can write this. Consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kinds. Now, I don't know if we're all there yet, right? You know, like, I don't know if I get joyful when I go through trials yet, right? But, but I pray that I can hold on to God in the middle of it. Why? Because you know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance. Let perseverance finish its work so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. I bet some of the strongest people spiritually that you know have been through some of the most challenging times. And you talk to your grandparents or your great-grandparents, you talk to people who've walked through some hard times and you just go, man, you're a rock. You're steadfast. I want faith like that. And they have this joy about them. They have this peace about them. They have this depth about them. And you're going, Wow. I want that, I want that. Here's what I want you to see next, look. Opposition comes from the outside and the inside. Opposition comes from the outside and the inside. Don't miss this. Look, meanwhile, the people in Judah said, the strength of the laborers is giving out, and there is so much rubble that we cannot rebuild the wall. Guys, there's, there's two different ways that opposition comes, right? The outside. But there's also the inside. See, we're living in an increasingly hostile culture. We are. Our world is angry. You see the wars that are going on around. You, you see it and it just breaks your heart. You see what's happening in Ukraine and Russia. And then you see eight days ago as Hamas comes in, just like right here. Surprise attack of women and children being killed right there in Israel. I mean, it's heartbreaking when you, you watch this. And you just see all that's happening. And you're thinking, what is going on? And, and people ask me, like, are we close to the end times? And I'm like, well, 
You know, the closer we've ever been, right? But you start looking at Hezbollah in the north, you've got Hamas in the south, you've got Israel in the middle. I've been to Israel eight or nine times. I mean, it's incredible. I mean, it is the holy land. You can feel God's presence there. But everybody's fighting for Jerusalem. I mean, Hamas, Hezbollah, right, Iran, everybody's coming in for Jerusalem. And that's where Armageddon's going to go down. I mean, you read Revelation, right? The Valley of Armageddon right there outside of Megiddo. I mean, there's been more bloodshed in that part of the world than any other place, right? Because it's a land bridge between Europe and Asia and Africa. Everything is going to go through there. And so we know, right? I mean, that's where Armageddon is going to happen in the end times. And you just look at this and then you think geopolitically, right? U.S. and Israel and Europe. And now you're seeing, you know, Iran and you're seeing Russia and China. You know, you go, whoa, what's happening? But here's the deal, right? We don't even fear because of that. We just go, okay, God, you're sovereign over all that. And I can get caught up in all the news and everything that's going on. And, and we need to pray and we need to be involved. But we also go, okay, God, let me be aware of what's happening and let me live for how many days I have left on this earth for your name and for your glory. God, don't let me miss it, Father, because there are things happening out there, right? So we live in this increasingly hostile culture, but we also face opposition, not only from the outside, but also inside our hearts and our minds. And that's where the battle is fought. That's where the enemy comes. That's where Satan wants to get a foothold in your mind and in your heart. And just like the strength of the laborers begins to give out here, because they get down, they get discouraged, and that can happen to us. Even in the last 25 years, 40 million Americans have walked away from church. 40 million. And you go and survey after survey has gone and interviewed people who've walked away from church. And you know what they'll say? They'll say, it just got hard. It was busy. My life was busy. You have kids and travel and sport. It, it, it's just hard. It was just hard to go to church. It was hard to make that a priority. It was just difficult. It was hard to get my kids there. So they just walked away. And every one of them you talk about, you listen, and they say, well, we miss it. And we need to get back, but, but it was just hard. It was just this opposition. Do you know in the last three years, more pastors and ministers have quit the ministry than any other three-year point in American history? And you're thinking, well, why? Well, let's see, COVID, right? Politics, wow. Okay, you know, look, I mean, social issues. I mean, you just line it up. You talk about the things that come at us. And it can be doubtful and discouraging. And, and man, you just go, oh, Am I getting anywhere? And the strength of the laborers can give out. You know, you think about Elijah, this guy back in the Old Testament, Elijah. Elijah wins this great battle for God, right? Elijah stands up. He feels God calling him to stand up for God in the middle of Israel at a time when Israel was going away from God. And, and he says, hey, all the prophets of Baal, this foreign God, you come up and let's have a little showdown here on Mount Carmel and I'll show you who God is. And on that time, on that mountain, God rains down fire. Literal fire comes down from heaven. And Elijah wins this huge spiritual battle. And you're thinking Elijah's like on cloud nine, right? Oh no. He hears that Jezebel, this one woman, right, is mad and she's angry. She's incensed and she's coming after him. And what does he do? You think he'd be like, did you just see that? I mean, fire came down from heaven, right? Why am I worried about you? But no, he runs. He runs. And he goes out in the desert and he's sitting there in the desert and he's just down. He's discouraged. Maybe you've been there. Or maybe you're there. And Elijah prays, and he's like, God, where are you? I'm the only one left, and everybody's against me. And God goes, oh, no. 
Oh no, Elijah, I'm still here. And my presence is with you. And in fact, Elijah, there's 7,000 who haven't bent their knee to Baal. You're not alone, Elijah. And Elijah in that moment has to make a decision. And he gets up and he stands back up for God. And he goes back and God uses him in an even greater way than he did before. Elijah goes back and calls Elisha and God begins to use Elijah to make this huge impact and difference. Don't let that time of discouragement and doubt define you. Don't let opposition win. See, when opposition comes, what does Nehemiah do? He prays. Nehemiah prays. Look there at verse four, right? Hear us, O God. But then what's amazing, if you look there in verse nine, look at verse nine, it says, but we prayed to our God. Now the people start to pray. Now the people come together and there is power in prayer. Guys, there is power in prayer. See, don't focus on the opposition, but on your heavenly father. Don't focus on the opposition. And maybe God's giving you this plan for a great marriage. Hey, don't focus on the opposition. You focus on that marriage, right? You focus on what God's called you. God's given you a plan to be a leader at your school. God's given you a plan to make a difference in your workplace. God's given you a plan to raise up your children in Christ. You don't focus on the opposition. You focus on your heavenly father who gave you the plan. Because that God is the God who is greater. And opposition can either lead you. It can either lead you to defeat or determination. Every one of us, opposition to our faith can either lead you to defeat and you turn away and you walk away and you try to do it on your own and man, it is hard and hard and hard or you can say, no, I'm gonna be more determined, more committed than ever. I'm following God. I'm trusting him. Come what may. See, opposition, listen, is a result of being in a spiritual battle. Opposition is a result of being in a spiritual battle. I love what Nehemiah did. After I looked things over, right, it's like Nehemiah just went up and he's hearing all this opposition, the strength of the laborers is given out, you got inside, you got the outside, Sam Ballot and Tobiah, and it's like he stands up and he looks over what God's called him to do. And he looked it over and he stood up and he said, don't be afraid. Maybe you don't need to hear anything else today. Don't be afraid. Maybe you've been watching the news and man, it's just the anxiety is just like weighing on you. Don't be afraid of them. Remember the Lord who is great and awesome and fight. Fight for your families, your sons and your daughters, your wives and your homes. Guys, here's the thing. Always be ready to fight spiritually. Always be ready to fight spiritually. Now, how do we fight spiritually, right? On your knees. You fight on your knees. You begin to pray God's protection over your family. God's protection over our country. God's protection. You begin to pray for God to do a miracle. You begin to pray for God to bring revival. You know how else you fight? You get your sword. It's called the sword of the spirit. You start getting into God's word. You focus on the things that God's called you to. You know how you fight? You fight in worship. You come together in the middle of the storm. You raise a hallelujah. You know how you fight? You fight together. Nehemiah says, when you hear the trumpet, we all come together. The work is extensive. But you come together when you hear the call for help. You come in. Always be ready to fight. Here's what, here's what it says in 1 Peter. Be alert and of sober mind. Your enemy, the devil. We have an enemy. Don't miss this. And the devil, you know what his name means? Father of lies. And when those lies come into your mind, you don't measure up. 
God can't use you. You know what? Look at who you are. No, no, no. That's the father of lies. And that father of lies prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. Resist him, standing firm in the faith, because you know that the family of believers throughout the world is undergoing the same kind of sufferings. He says, hey, think about this. Yeah, you're going through opposition. Yeah, you're going through hard times. But you got brothers and sisters in Christ around the world who many are in prison. (laughs) Many are giving their lives. Don't forget about that. And you've got this freedom and you've got this opportunity. You use it for the glory of God. You make a difference right now. See, here's the thing, right? This is, if you're not facing any opposition to your faith, then you have to wonder if you're really doing anything significant for the kingdom. I mean, really, I mean, like, if you're not even, like, engaging and sharing Christ, if nobody's going, wow, you talk about Jesus a lot, right? You know, wow, you go to church a lot. Wow, you get your kids at church a lot, right? right. Wow, you, you give generously. Wow, you serve passionately. Wow, if you're not getting any little bit of attention, a little bit of pushback, then you kind of go, wow, well, Satan's not really worried about me, you know? I mean, there ought to be some points in our lives where we have a little bit of pushback. But here's the thing. When opposition comes, remember the Lord. When opposition comes, and it will come, remember the Lord immediately, 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 Turn it back to God. I love what Nehemiah does. Whenever you hear the sound of the trumpet, join us there. Our God will fight for us. Our God will fight for you. See, when you made that commitment to Christ, you became his son or his daughter. And he will never leave you. He will never forsake you. So no matter what challenge, no matter what struggle, no matter what opposition, your God is greater. And your God will fight for you. So never quit. Never quit living for and serving the Lord. Never quit. I love that Nehemiah prayed, but I love it also says here, Nehemiah 6, verse 21, so we continued the work. We continued the work. We didn't stop. We didn't back down. We didn't quit. We didn't walk away. We continued the work. What God is calling you to do in your family, in our church, in our community is so important, you guys. And we can't stop. I want you to hear today from a woman in our church. And I want you to hear her story. Watch this. I think that I can see my purpose in my pain. And that purpose is sharing our story and, and our story is hard and it's heartbreaking, but it's also a, sto- a story of forgiveness and a story of being saved. Pete is still very much alive in my heart. He was an amazing guy, an amazing dad, amazing husband. He loved life, he loved God. And um, Peter was a drinker and he drank throughout our marriage and um, the last five years of his life He started to drink more and became consumed by alcohol. We were in this community group for two years, hosted it, and they did not know that we were drowning. I stayed in a hotel room with my three boys to get away from Pete one night. And I went to um, our leaders the next day and I said, we're not drowning, we've drowned. We need help. They rallied around us. 
on uh, March 6, 2021, Peter died. But in reality, we lost Pete to alcohol two years before his, his death. Our world was shattered, completely shattered. Pastor Jeff came to our house. Um, he sat in our living room, and my youngest son looked at Pastor Jeff, and he said, I'm scared that my dad is not in heaven because he did some really bad things. I heard that, and my heart just, it sank. And Jeff did such a beautiful job of saying he, he was a believer, and he was, and he was saved, and he read scripture, and he just, you know, ensured Baylor that your dad is in heaven. And he said, will you baptize me? You know, at that moment, this little boy who, who just learned his dad died, needed Jesus and wanted Jesus and wanted to open his heart up to Jesus. A month later, almost to the day that Pete died, uh, it was Easter and Pastor Jeff baptized Baylor. It just was such a beautiful thing. So that just shows you in the midst of the pain, God was with us. He was covering us. That su support group and the church and our friends they came around us, that allowed me to be open about what was going on. And, and I never was alone. I couldn't see it, though. I mean, God was with me every step of the way. God put these people in my world to help me bear what was to come. And just knowing we weren't alone was freeing. And and I could finally see God, and, and, and God was hearing me. It, open my eyes to I'm not I don't have to suffer alone this is God this is his work you know he's our healer he's our comforter uh, he's our redeemer I mean he has rescued me and he he will rescue you that's the good that's gonna come out of this Wow. we don't know what life going to throw at us. We don't know what's going to happen today, tomorrow, next week, or whenever. And that's why we have to be grounded in God's Word. That's why we have to hold on to Him with everything we have, because God's not finished with any of us. There's still work to come in our hearts, and our lives, and our families. And so we stay strong in the Word. We stay strong in Him. We fight for the goodness and the grace of God. You know, that's why we here at Rolling Hills, right? We're not done. You know, it's been an incredible 20 years, and we could easily say, we're well, just going to kick back, and man, we just got it. We're all happy huddled. But no, God's going, there's other people like Kelly and Baylor who go through tough times, who go through dark times. And where's the hope? I mean, really, without Jesus, where's the hope in this world? I mean, there's not. And so for us to say, man, I want to be people who reach out. I want to be people who love. I want to be people who serve. God's not finished with us, church. And God's using you to make a difference in orphans and vulnerable kids around the world. God's using you to make a difference in the Amazon. God's using you to make a difference right here in our community and in our schools and right here. But God's not finished. And so even when the opposition comes, even when the challenges come, you stay strong. You stay faithful. You know, Winston Churchill after World War II, right? And under that 
horrific attack by the Nazis on London and England being bombed, and, and yet they, they stayed strong in the middle of that, and, and by God's grace, you know, the U.S. winning World War II. But after that, Winston Churchill was invited to speak in a, in a school outside of London, and he went there to speak, and the place is packed. You can imagine the great Winston Churchill's coming to speak, and people sitting in the windows, packed in. Everybody's got their pad out, ready to write. What is the wisdom that Winston Churchill's going to share? And you know what he said? He stood up in front of everybody and he said, never give up. Never give up. Never, never, never give up. And he sat down. That was it. And maybe that's all you need to hear today. Don't give up. You're doing a great work. You stay strong in the Lord. You stay faithful to him. God is with you. God is for you. God loves you with an everlasting love. And whatever life brings, whatever challenges, you stay faithful. Don't ever give up. Because the best of your life could still be ahead. God can use you in ways you can never dream or never imagine. You hold on to him. I want to ask you to bow your head and close your eyes just for a moment. I don't know where you are today. Maybe you've been fighting like Elijah, a lot of discouragement. Maybe you've been battling a lot of fear. Maybe there's times that you've started to question even in your own life. But I want to tell you today, don't give up. God is with you. God is for you. God's going to bring you through. God can bring healing. God can bring hope. God can bring help. Would you trust him today? Right now, would you just reaffirm your faith in him? Or maybe right now it's a time for salvation. Jesus, I want to give my life to you. I'm scared. I'm worried. Or maybe right now it's like, God, I'm not going to let this opposition defeat me. I'm going to be more determined ever to be the man or woman you created me to be to make a difference in my day and my generation for your glory. God, you are sufficient for me today. Right now, you're here, and I worship you. Thank you for listening to the Rolling Hills Sermon Podcast. Be sure to share this episode with any friends and family in your life who may benefit from it. And make sure you subscribe to be notified so you never miss a sermon. If you're interested in learning more about Rolling Hills, Download Church Center, our Rolling Hills app. Follow us on social media or visit our website at rollinghills.church. The Rolling Hills Sermon Podcast is a part of the Rolling Hills Podcast Network, available on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and Google Podcasts. Thanks for tuning in.